Small Business Focus on The Money Show. Um, Pablo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator with our small business focus this evening. I know you want to talk about the budget. And I know you want to focus on the budget. And I know you want to uh, talk about important stuff in the budget. And we touched on it last night. But let's do that. But I also want to talk about the real crisis that people in Rustenburg are facing. We had a call earlier uh, from Emma Rencher. Uh, from Mark and Emma Rencher, who said to us that Impala Platinum had declared force majeure, basically all contracts null and void. Then spoke to Terence Goodlace, the chief executive of Impala Platinum, said, look, what we're doing is legal. We put force majeure in there. Strike action is part of force majeure. It's out of our control. We can't negotiate with people we believe are unreasonable. Uh, they don't want to negotiate with us anyway. Uh, and so as a result, we've declared force majeure. The knock-on impact of that on small businesses, we've had horrible calls this evening, devastating calls from people who are really struggling. I need your help to help them, please, to deal with issues around this. So let's get on to that in a moment. First, though, assessment of budget out of 10. Bruce, obviously, I'm going to only look at it from a small business point of view. That's your perspective. That's okay. what I want. Well, I give it, I give it a three. Maybe even a two. Maybe even a two out of oh, ten. Come on. The finance minister's announced 5.6 billion rands worth of help for small businesses, a slashing of red tape. He's also um, helping you know, technology companies, guys who, who run substantial businesses that want to raise money offshore. He's doing good things for small business. You can't give him a, a less than a, a South African pass mark of under 30%. Okay, so let's look, let's look at and, and see what's on offer. The first right. thing we've got is this issue of the, t- the turnover tax regime. So that level has been raised up to a million rand. And here's, here's my position on it. A million rand today in annual turnover is about 80, 83 odd million rand, uh, 80, 83 odd thousand rand a month. So if there are two people in business, and let's say both happen to be married, and let's say both have a kid, maybe. So they've got some obligations and responsibilities. Sure. On a million rand of turnover, you're generating probably around a 40% gross margin. So it's 400,000 rand in the year of gross margin. You then have to pay for your expenses. And on the back of that, you then draw what's left as a salary. Upon which you pay PAYE. Upon which you pay PAYE on your salary. Yeah. But in any event, you're probably not going to produce any profit. So if you stick in the normal tax regime, you would typically pay, pay 28% of your profit before tax. So the profit before tax number would be 28% that calculates your tax. There isn't going to be any profit before tax because it's mostly going to be mm. drawn and utilized. Mm. However, if you switch across to this turnover tax regime, you're immediately paying tax on turnover. At a million rand a year, you would land up paying 30,500 rands in tax. Mm. And that has massive cash flow implications. So the turnover tax regime... 300,000 rand in tax. Uh, no, 30,500. 30,500 on a million rand in turnover. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the turnover tax regime has largely been put into the budget, I think, as a means to cajole, to seduce, to bring informal businesses into the formal tax net. <laughs> Which is precisely was my reading of it. This isn't aimed at your clients. This isn't aimed at people who've got solid startup businesses that are in a development phase. This is to get the guys you talk about as survivalist businesses into the tax net. This is to get people operating in more in the formal rather than the informal sector. And if I were in a survivalist business, if I were operating in the informal sector, I can't see what the benefit for me is here. Yeah. So that's the big issue with the turnover Are tax. budgets designed for the benefit of the citizens of the country or for the benefit of the government that wants to collect the money to apportion the way it sees fit is the question, really. 
It is the question. And surely when a company sells a service or a product, it's really to benefit itself. It's to, it's to generate some kind of profit. You're not going to sell something that doesn't generate a profit for you, hopefully. Sure. But we're going to get onto that a bit later because it raises an interesting issue around Rustenburg. Okay. The next thing, of course, is a small business corporation. So the small business corporation, the good thing about it, Bruce, is that SARS is trying to implement a progressive tax system. In other words, if you're a smaller business, you should pay slightly lesser tax than if you're a medium-sized business, where you should pay slightly lesser tax if you're a larger business. Sure. And it makes sense because if the tax burden is reduced, it leaves money in the business for investment purposes. But the small business corporation tax has had a terrible pickup. It hasn't been adopted by small businesses out there for the simple reason that the definitions qualifying you to participate in that area are so narrow and so tight that the red tape you have to go through in order to gain what would be a relatively small advantage just doesn't make it worth it. Okay. So even though those levels might have been adjusted, it's not nothing to do with the levels. It's got everything to do with the definition. It needs to be broadened and to allow more people into to take advantage. Uh, is there not going to be more devil in the detail of, of this budget? I mean, the, the minister has outlined broad brushstrokes of what is intended. Uh, there may still be room to lobby on these sorts of fronts. Well, there, there might be. You know, the Davis Commission is up and running. It seems to... We, remember the show we did on uh, an entrepreneurial budget? Yeah. So that was communicated to the Davis Commission. It was sent through to the Davis Commission. There was an engagement that took place there. And uh, hopefully that that's hopefully at some point in time, some of those elements that were raised would translate because those elements, there were six of them, really would cost the fiscus very little. In other words, you're giving up very little to gain potentially a lot more. And if 68%, Bruce, of private sector jobs are generated by businesses employing 50 or fewer people, the average of which is 11 people, yeah. that's the domain of entrepreneurship. And our minister opened up and he said, you know, it's, uh, Mr. President, you've rightly reminded us that employment creation is mainly the responsibility of the private sector. And I'm looking and searching quite hard here on the very little that was written around small business. Where is the incentive for an individual who wants to start a small business is facing increasing costs in transport Increasing costs in electricity, which relatively speaking in a small business, are massive compared to a large business. Where is the incentive to tip someone over the edge to take the risk of starting mm-hmm. a business? I'm not, I'm not seeing anything meaningful or bold or meaty here. But, but, and that was the overall criticism of the budget was, hold on a second, this is supposed to be a growth budget, but there's no, there are no big levers being pulled here to drive growth. Uh, there are levers being pulled to save costs, which is good. There are levers. It's a very conservative budget. It's a pre-election budget. It's probably the right budget, but you wanted to see more. The fact is, there was more about entrepreneurs in this budget than there was in the last budget. There was. Let's move on. So we come to the issue of angel funding. There's a clause called Section 12J. It's meant to incentivize people like yourself who take your own cash that you've made, that you've saved. You see a young entrepreneur, you believe in them, you like what they're doing, and you incentivize to take a punt and provide them with some funding. That's what an angel funder is. It's one crucial element, but of a massive ecosystem on its own. It doesn't stand up for much weight at all. These provisions have been changed in the previous budget. There's a further amendment to to, to it. I haven't seen what the amendment is yet, but if it's going to make it more workable, 
it's a step in the right direction, very definitely. But I have to stress, it's only one small component of a big ecosystem that Fair defines enough. potential for success. Okay. I mean, uh, the, the, and, and look, there's more about uh, about small business, there's more about entrepreneurs in this budget than ha- there has been previously. The minister moving in the right direction, you wish he'd done more. I wish he'd done more for the simple fact that if 68% yep. of private sector jobs are generated by entrepreneurs, let's be bold and let's release cash that's sitting in hands to be invested into starting up new businesses. We are we lag behind Brazil, we lag behind Chile. We do not start enough businesses in South Africa to attend to the 54% youth unemployment, never mind the general unemployment that the country faces. I should be incentivized to take the little bit of money I've got in a savings account at 5% and to risk it on somebody's bright idea. Absolutely, Bruce. You think about it. Ah, okay. Where do you put your money today? It's a tough choice. We had the call earlier, and it set off a whole chain of events, as these calls usually do. Mark and Emma Rensch are saying that there is a force majeure at play in uh, the Rustenburg uh, platinum fields, uh, and the call started coming through. KG in Rustenburg was telling us about his transport business, how he and his fellow directors have not drawn salaries from their business for two months. They're keeping people on the payroll, but they're going to have to let people go in March unless the strike ends. Uh, we had Sandra in downtown Johannesburg who gave us a call and said her drafting business, and she's a draftswoman, uh, for the mining sector. She uh, works for an independent company. They've lost their contracts. Force majeure has been declared and there aren't, there's no more work for them. So people are being retrenched hand over fist. That is on the one side. On the other side, you've got a, uh, the town of Rustenburg, potentially massively prosperous, which must be aching at virtually every turn. Bruce, I think the numbers are something close to 400 million rand a month is being sucked out the consumer economy of Rustenburg. So th- never mind supplies to the mines, simple businesses that have been established to supply the needs of the community of Rustenburg themselves must be taking massive, massive strain. So if you're sitting in Rustenburg and you run a fish and chip shop or you run a steak and pup shop or you are the cell phone on seller, airtime on seller or the micro lender or whatever it might be, um, you're on the bones of your backside too. Yeah, you very much are, very much are. But specifically, the supplies going directly into the mines, they themselves are taking the most pain because a small business servicing a mine, it's not uncommon for you to have maybe one mine client simply because the demands of that mine and the demands on your business are such that it takes a substantial amount of time to sustain and establish the contract with the mine. And in doing so, before you can move on to another contract with another mine, if you haven't done that, you're in dire straits. Terence Goodlace tells us the force majeure clause in the contract, which everybody signs, um, applies both ways. So if your business as the small business person is affected by um, matters beyond your control, you can then terminate and Impala then doesn't have any claim against you. However, I would argue that that contract is biased in favor of the large corporate, which dictates the terms of the contract, um, because it has a lot more to lose than uh, it, it believes it has a lot more to lose than you do as a small business owner. Ultimately, though, the roles are reversed. Correct, Bruce. It's it's called the golden rule. You know, he, he who has the gold rules. And small business often has to receive contracts, supply contracts, supply agreements that really, unless you don't want to be in business, you're obligated to sign. You, you know, guys, I'm going to take this force majeure bit out. I don't really like it. <laughs> No, no, that's in the contract. You either sign for the force majeure or you don't, uh, and therefore you're going to get you, you lose the contract. So you are being held over a barrel. 
Exactly. But at the same time, you want to do business with the mines. You want to do business in that environment. They're good payers. They're, they're regular customers. And in the rare occasion, and increasingly uh, uh, more regular occasion, when things do go pear-shaped, well, then you have to suck it up, unfortunately. You do. And also, you know, the mining industry is, is crucial for a number of reasons. But one of them, which is very, very seldom cited, is that the mining regulations have with them obligations that mines who have secured licenses to mine need to support the development of small businesses in their region to create a local economy. And I think Impala Platinum is probably pretty good at that. I happen to know that Impala Platinum does exceptional work in that space. Okay. To the extent that the Department of Minerals and Resources have used them as a case study in many instances. Okay. So, I mean, the point is they're doing a good job. Times are tough. They being held to, they say they being held to ransom. The unions will say they being held to ransom. And unfortunately, the collateral damage of what is going on here is devastating. How can people in Rustenburg protect themselves, look after themselves at a time of such uncertainty? Okay. There are going to be three things that we need to do. The first thing is you've got to first focus on your customers. This is a time where you increase and escalate your sales and marketing. But the tension over here is to find other companies, not in the mining sector, that typically would want your services. And to the extent, Bruce, that you can, you need to look slightly outside of Rustenburg. Now, that's easier said than done. Because one of the big issues in the mining industry is the way that mining licenses are granted and the regions within which they're granted often preclude businesses that are not from that region supplying to a mine in that region. So it becomes very difficult if you develop an expertise to offer a service to, let's say, Impala Platinum, to spread your wings, go to Vitbank and start dealing in the coal industry where there's a different community of people who have negotiated different levels of access into that mine. Yeah. But you have no option here other than to go and find and seek new customers to spread your risk. A business with only one customer in any event is not a business. It's simply a job that you've created for yourself as an entrepreneur. Mm. The next thing is the service that you're offering or the product that you're offering, you have to hustle on. You've got to do deals on. And what that means is rather sell it at break even to get cash up front or to get early payment terms and sustain a break-even basis because the strike will eventually end. It might take a month. It might take two months. Your contract remains in place. Your contract remains in place. And there's an argument always around the last man standing. If your competitors fall away because they can't sustain the devastation of the strike and you're the only one who's offering that service, there might be a chance that if you survive this, there are one or two other contracts you can pick up and you will have a heyday. Pablo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator. Some tips on how to survive what is an increasingly drawn out and increasingly damaging and increasingly devastating strike for people caught up on the periphery of the battle between trade union grouping AMCU and bosses who the trade union groupings would argue are being intransigent and the bosses would argue the other way as well.